great to have Jeff Diamond at the Talk North Podcast Network all year, but especially this time of the year. We have contract negotiations, camp opening, uh, expectations flying. This is Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider, part of TalkNorth.com. Thanks to our longtime sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com. And thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Uh, a reminder, best way to listen to the show or any show at the network that you like, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. So, Jeff, let's start with this. Camp is opening, and we still have some stories hanging over the Vikings' heads. Daniil Hunter, Justin Jefferson, now Jordan Addison driving 140 miles an hour. Uh, what are you most interested in here in the early days of camp? Yeah, I think it's, it's always there's always some story, great storylines entering training camp. Last year, of course, it was... Kevin O'Connell as a first-year coach, and and Ed Donatel as a installing a new three-four defense worked really well for Kevin O'Connell on offense. Not so good for Ed Donatel, and and so I think one of the big storylines, of course, is Brian Flores coming in with a a similar three-four base, but a much more aggressive defense, a different look. So that will be interesting to watch, and then key position battles are always a. Uh, a key storyline in training camp. And so I, what I'm going to be watching when I go out to, uh, to uh, the Vikings headquarters for training camp is especially the corners, because you look at these last two draft classes, Jim, and it's really fascinating to see how many defensive backs they've drafted and how not as much impact as they need from these players. And we're talking about at the corner spot, we're talking about start with Andrew Booth Jr. Second round pick last year, played six games last year and knee problems. Uh, Caleb Evans, who I thought was, was pretty impressive in his limited time on the field in, in the regular defense. And then he had concussion problems. And so he wasn't there at the end of the year. So you look at the top four corners at the end of last season, led by Patrick Peterson, of course, and he's gone to Pittsburgh. And so they're counting on Byron Murphy to step into Peterson's cornerback number one role. And Murphy's coming off a back injury, played half the, half the games last year for Arizona. Certainly has talent as a former, I think, second round pick. But I think that, O'Connell and Flores really have to be concerned about about the corner situation. I think that's the key to this defense improving from number 31 last year that was eventually part of their downfall in the playoffs against the Giants, along with Kirk's check down. <laughs> and we could talk a little bit about that later when we, when we talk further about the, the Netflix show, which I did finish, by the way, at the last two episodes and I, I thought it was a great series, but we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But but just I think the keys of this defense, getting Hunter in camp, having the pass rush be reasonably effective as it was, especially early last season, first half of the season, when Zadarius Smith was excellent until until he fell back with his knee problems in the second half. So Hunter, they've got to get Hunter in camp and get him under contract or get, get the contract extended. They need Marcus Davenport to step up. He was hurt last year. He's a former nine sack guy in new Orleans, a big free agent signing. 
DJ Wanham, it's a big season for him, his fourth year before he can hit unrestricted free agency. Patrick Jones needs to make an impact as a former uh, third-round pick. Dean Lowry uh, with the inside pass rush, <clears throat> who's been a pretty good player in Green Bay and I think was a good, a good bargain signing for them because they, they lost Alvin Tomlinson, who I think Cleveland overpaid for him. And Harrison Phillips, he's, he's an okay player against the run. I'm not sure he's a big pass rush guy. So, And can Roy, the fifth-round pick out of LSU, can he step up inside? So a lot of questions on that pass rush. But to me, it's, it's going to be that the corner situation. And not only having two of these corners emerge, and, and we're talking from among a group that not only includes Booth and Evans that, that I mentioned, but also Makai Blackman, the third-round pick this year. He could make up a, a play for a spot, and maybe even as a slot corner, or when they move Murphy inside on, on third downs. Um, Jay Ward, they drafted in the fourth round. He's a safety and corner who has played some slot. And, and so I, I think that that's going to be – the biggest thing to watch in training camp, how that whole cornerback situation shakes out. And not only the fact that they find two starters and really three, uh, including Murphy, that he can stay healthy and including a slot, a slot position. If they, if they are in, if Murphy plays in the slot, who plays outside, but can they play well? (laughs) It's not only lining guys up, but they got to play well and, and not be a liability for this team when you talk about they're going to have, they're not missing Eric Kendricks who didn't play great last year in the three, four, we know that. And so Brian Asamoah steps into that spot as a second year player, just so many questions on defense. The offense should be great. <laughs> Let's face it. They were, they were top, whatever top 10 last year, and they should be just as good, if not better this year, even though Dalvin cook is gone. I think they've got enough quality backs cousins, will enter with a chip on his shoulder, which is always good for him going into the last year of his deal. And, and with the, the negative feedback from that last check down play, even though he had a great regular season. So I think the offense will be fine. I think the special teams will be fine. It's the defense. That's a big question. And so I'll be watching Brian Flores, how he plays that defense, who wins these position battles on defense. And then, the offensive line is always a question, of course, even though they've got five guys drafted in the first two rounds. But the key there is going to be, can Ed Ingram step up in year two and improve, especially in pass protection, that where he was often a liability last year. But he was pretty good in, run, in, run, in the run offense. But kind of the interesting thing is that Ezra Cleveland was the guy on that ill-fated final play who was pushed back into Cousins by Dexter Lawrence. So, who, by the way, they should have been doubling on that last play anyway. <laughs> yes, yeah, not that any of that bothers you. <laughs> no, no, it's it's uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't weigh on me as as much as Gary Anderson's missed field goal in 1998, which affected me personally more. But I, I can certainly feel the ill ease of Kevin O'Connell and Kirk Cousins for how that last play unfolded against the Giants. But I thought 
Jim, in talking about that Netflix series, and I know you've watched it now, yep. I thought one of the really interesting things was, was seeing Cousins doing his postmortems in the drive home with his wife after the game and just beating himself up for really a, a couple of plays in the game, especially on, on the on the previous play to the fourth down play when he threw a little behind K.J. Osborne. Mm-hmm. That was the play he beat himself up more than even the check down because he felt like in the check down he was going to get sacked and probably true, although I still would have preferred to have him throw it up to Jefferson even if he's in double or triple coverage. Who cares? Give him a shot. <laughs> right, yes. Uh, and and that, that was the most fascinating thing about – and that, I thought that was the great contrast in the show is that you had Mahomes just – incredibly confident, like bring it all on. I'm going to play through every injury. I'm going to make every play. I, I, I trained myself to make any kind of throw I need to make. I don't care who we're playing against. And, had, and just, you know, completely he had that great athletic arrogance. And then he had cousins who's like, you feel like he's just like hyper analyzing everything. And he felt like he was kind of getting uptight the giant week. And he's still uptight after the game. It's like, just what a great contrast of personalities. It really was, and, and you had Mariota in there, who was eventually demoted in Atlanta. But but certainly, Mahomes and Cousins were the stars of the show. And yes, and you you have to always salute NFL Films how they capture the Super Bowl coverage and, and all the inside of following Mahomes and his family and in the suite with his wife and and even Julie Cousins a lot of great stuff with her in in this series. And, and I thought she, she came across as a, as a great support system for Kirk. And, and uh, I think one of the really kind of poignant moments in the show also was after the game, he comes home and he's, and he's uh, putting his kids to bed, reading them bedtime stories, singing them, singing them songs, and just, you know, he's in pain from the game and how it turned out and, and losing a home playoff game and all that. But, but he, he has the wherewithal. To, to be a good dad. And, and I, I think that one of the takeaways from this show is really what this does for Kirk Cousins' image going forward. And even, even after football, that he just comes across as a, as a good guy, as, as a good teammate and all that, and all, and all the things you want in, in, your, in your quarterback, even though he's not Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> and, and we see that. And, and as you said, Mahomes, with the way he fought off that high ankle sprain in the playoffs, it, just amazing how he trains his mind and just to, to put, it be, put it past him. And just I thought it was, it was one of the best shows I've, I've seen of that ilk by NFL Films and by Netflix. Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, highly entertaining, incredibly insightful. Uh, it's just, just great stuff. Uh, let's get to uh, Jordan Addison here. Uh, you know, <laughs> not a great way to start his career. Let's get into it. Jeff has dealt with a lot of players. Of course, Jeff, former Vikings general manager, former president of the Tennessee Titans. He's dealt with all these things. He's also worked in PR and with an agency and in the media. So he's a great perspective on all these things. Uh, before we get to that, let's thank White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always excited to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC, with my longtime friend, owner Paul Rubin, general manager Charlie Gutrell, and their great staff, Minnesota's number one volume, Buick GMC dealer, six years running, 
with the best selection and their super-friendly premium team, check out whitebearlakesuperstore.com. You'll see 0.9% APR with a $2,000 trade assistance on 2023 Sierra 1500s, 2.49% APR on 2022 and 2023 Buick SUV models, including the Encore GX Preferred, 1.9% APR on GMC Acadia's, plus no monthly payments for 90 days on many of these great vehicles. The White Bear Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 Van Superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whitebearlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. So Jordan Addison gets uh, cited for driving 140 miles an hour at 3 a.m. saying he had a dog emergency, worst excuse ever. He also was injured <laughs> during many camps, has not really been on the practice field yet. Uh, what's your level of concern with this young man? Uh, he definitely has question marks coming in about his health after sustaining a reportedly minor injury at rookie camp that kept him out of OTAs and minicamp practices in June and late May. And so then you add this bizarre incident where he's driving 140 miles an hour and then blames a dog emergency. The weird thing about that, that's pretty easy to check out, right, Jim? (laughs) You can check out, was 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 the dog taken to an emergency hospital, to an emergency vet, what happened? So, yeah, I think that, let's face it, we're talking about a 21-year-old guy and obviously has some maturing to do still. He, he gave a nice apology afterwards. No one was hurt in the incident, fortunately. But, yeah, it's, I think overall he's a concern entering training camp because can he stay healthy, first of all? I always worry about these rookies. Do they come in camp in shape, and can they stay healthy when, when things ramp up? especially when they get to the, the joint practices with the Titans and the Cardinals. And, and that's going to be really high-level competition. But can he get through the first couple of weeks before even those things happen? He's obviously being heavily counted on to be one of the top three receivers. And, and we'll see if he's number two or K.J. Osborne's number two and Addison's number three. And then what happens with four and five with, with Rager and Naylor and, and others. But Jordan Addison, first-round pick, you draft a guy in the first round, you're counting on him to be a starter and doesn't necessarily have to be day one, but but he certainly should be in the mix as a top three receiver. So when we talk about things we're watching at training camp, all eyes are going to be on Jordan Addison, along with those corners I already mentioned and the pass rushers. And so, yeah, Jordan Addison, he's a concern. Yeah, no kidding. Um, they had so many needs, they decided to take a receiver, which was not strictly a position of need. They needed the guy to be a dynamic player this year if they're going to do anything. Um, what is your – now, listen, we're talking here on Tuesday morning, and, of course, we're doing a podcast. So by the time you hear this, there some, some of these issues might have been resolved. At the moment, how do you see the Hunter and the Jefferson negotiations playing out? What's your level of concern for both? Well, just, Justin has said he's going to report. 
and and the question is if he doesn't have a contract done does he does he do a a hold in as the term is which means that he doesn't practice full go he's not involved in team drills that his agent keeps him out of the mix where he could he could sustain a serious injury that would affect the contract and there's so much at stake here when you're talking about a, a 30 million dollar or so a year contract and so yeah if I'm his agent I don't want him doing much of anything other than conditioning and running a few routes but not going into one-on-ones not going into team drills although he did that at the end of minicamp so perhaps Justin just doesn't care and has we know he's a supremely confident guy so I'll, he, he will report I'm sure and we'll see how much he does Hunter that's a that's a trickier one and we've talked often about this in the in the last months couple of months but I I don't think the Hunter deal as I've told you often I don't think it's that hard a deal to get done because of he's got that 5.5 million dollars of base and roster or 5.4 that they can if they do a, a signing bonus in the $20 million range on a three- or four-year extension, they can get basically the same $13 million cap number on Daniil this year. So it's not going to be a cap hit. And even Jefferson's deal is not a big cap yet. It might go from maybe $4 million to $8 million this year when they factor in a big $30 million signing bonus spread out over five years as part of the deal. But both of these deals should not affect their salary cap that much and they've got whatever 19 million dollars of room that they've been saving to do these these two contracts and i still say they should have enough money possibly to go out and get another player who could help that defense and the guy i've had my eyes on all off season as you know has been justin houston who i believe still hasn't signed anywhere and played for about I think five million bucks last year with 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 uh, base salary rosters and incentives in Baltimore and had nine what nine nine and a half sacks playing whatever forty percent of the downs. He's a guy that I think could be a really big help to this defense as a pass rusher. And so I don't think he's signed anywhere yet. He didn't in the last couple of days. I think yeah. they've got plenty of money to do the things they need to do. And get these get these deals done, especially the the Jefferson and Hunter deal. Jefferson, as I said, will report. I think Hunter, that one could take a few days, maybe maybe a week or so. But I think he'll be in. What did you think of Saquon uh, Barkley's signing? And does it have any effect on Dalvin Cook? And what what's going to go on with Dalvin Cook? Yeah, I think Barkley signed a a one year eleven million dollar deal with. Type, reportedly includes about a million bucks in incentives. <clears throat> he, he um, as opposed to the franchise tender of 10.1 million. So he got a little more money. I think he made a, a wise decision because really he didn't have much choice after the long-term deal was not reached by the July 15th deadline. So I think Saquon made the right choice, understanding where the running back market is. He, he's obviously not happy that he didn't get the long-term deal. And, but the Giants can franchise him again next year at 120% increase. So he could then go to about 13 million. So 
it's about 24 million over two years. If he, if he's franchised next year, we'll see if he can stay healthy and have the kind of season, the 1300 yard season he had last year. He certainly was impactful in that playoff game against the Vikings. He was a difference maker uh, for the giants that day. Not so much against Philly in the divisional playoffs with that great Philadelphia defense. But I think the next question is what happens with Josh Jacobs, who has now reportedly left Las Vegas and is refusing to report and play under the franchise tender. So what's going to happen with him? I would certainly advise Josh Jacobs to take the Barkley deal, even though he may not be happy with Barkley what he did, but it's just the, the, the lay of the land right now with running backs. And that does affect Alvin Cook to the extent that I think he's going to probably sign in the five to seven million dollar a year range with with some big incentives. And so it's just tough tough to be a running back these days and look at the wide receivers making top wide receivers making close to thirty and the top running backs, Christian McCaffrey is at sixteen million a year, but he's so big in the passing game. But the rest of the running backs are all in that ten to twelve top guys, Henry, Barkley, and Jacobs if he plays under the franchise tag. It's just really tough with the running back market right now. The other thing we'll be keeping our eye on is the extensions for Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert that are being negotiated. How, how does how do those play out? And both of those guys had their fifth-year options exercised, as did Justin Jefferson. But to me, Jim, Joe Burrow, he's a great player. He's, I think he's the, probably the second-best player in the league after, after, after Mahomes. And it, it was kind of interesting in the Netflix series to hear Mahomes talk about Herbert or talk about Burrow too, and, and how he was very apprehensive about about going against him, even though he wanted to face him in the playoffs. But he he knows what kind of player he is and how how great he is under pressure. I I love Joe Burrow as a quarterback. I love watching him play. And if I'm the Bengals, I get him extended and give him a little bit more than what Lamar Jackson got at 52 million a year, put him at the top of the food chain at quarterback. Cause that's, that's where he should be. And then Mahomes will know where he needs to go when they tear up his contract or not tear it up, but renegotiate it and then make him the highest paid guy, which he should be because he's the best player in the game. Yeah. And uh, the man made half a billion dollars in his last contract and he's, technically underpaid according to the market. It, it's, it's stunning where we are with money and sports at this moment. Uh, Jeff, give us a good preview. Um, you know, just what you think this camp's going to feel like if a fan goes out there in the next week, uh, what should they be watching for? What are you going to be watching for And just, you know, how, how much of a spectacle has training camp become? Because I remember, I still remember when I came up here to cover the Vikings in 1990, you know, training camp felt very small, very intimate. Uh, there were crowds, but they weren't massive. Uh, and it felt like more of a mundane thing. Now it feels like it's, uh, it's like everything else in the NFL. It is a spectacle. Yeah, we've come a long way from Blakesley Stadium. In yes. Case. <laughs> and, and, yeah, the, the stands were, they were usually filled, but it was maybe – a thousand people at, yep. at most or 2000. And, and now they've got the bleachers up there. They can get 5,000 or I don't know how many people they can get in there, but it's usually full at training camp. 
and and hopefully we can get past this heat wave early this week before the the, the practices the full practices start later this week and this weekend that are open to the public, which is a great thing, and and I also think it's it's certainly nice for the for the team and the players and the coaches that they don't have to leave town and 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 drive to Mankato and then have players coming back a hundred miles an hour and yep. <laughs> and and Bud Grant calling the state police and saying hey. Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm shaking these guys loose. <laughs> so be on the lookout for Jim Marshall and company coming up Highway 169. <laughs> oh, but it's just a, a totally different feel. As you said, when you go out there, there's so much more sponsorship that, that's emphasized and, and just a lot more hoopla, training camp, music playing, uh, games for the kids. And it's, it's a fun atmosphere. I, I do encourage fans to go out there and, and check out training camp when they have an opportunity, especially if it's not a hundred degrees. And, and so, but I think to be on, on the lookout for, again, what's going on with, with the defense, who are, are, who's lining up at the, at the first three corner spots. Is it going to be Murphy and Booth and Evans and can Booth stay on the field? He never could in college. He didn't last year. He's a talented guy. But again, they need him to step up. They need Evans to stay healthy and step up. Murphy, those are the big question marks. Again, fans will be watching Jordan Addison. They'll be watching Justin Jefferson to see what he's doing. And they'll, and they'll be yelling, Justin, do the gritty. <laughs> and so it, it's a fun atmosphere at training camp. And then especially when those joint practices come in a couple weeks with with the Titans, uh, who should be a, a reasonably good team in the AFC South, especially a, after adding DeAndre Hopkins. And then the Cardinals, who are a bottom feeder this year and, and, and really are kind of re- in rebuilding mode and, and waiting for Kyler Murray to get healthy. So, again, the focus is always going to be on getting ready for the opener September 10th against Tampa Bay here. But a lot of things that are going to happen in the next month. And, and overall, as I've told you often, my biggest concern was staying healthy in training camp, staying healthy in preseason games. Don't lose key players. And I think Kevin O'Connell was really masterful last year in how he managed the injury situation, got the team through training camp with minimal injuries. And they were minor at, at most and I'm sure he's going to follow the same script this year. So, which is why really for fans, it's, it'll be more interesting to go out for the joint practices where you're going to see the starters than to go to the preseason games when you won't see the starters for the most part. No, that's right. And you know, one great thing about being a Viking fan for all those who are, it is the dominant entertainment outlet, the dominant team, the dominant you know, social activity in Minnesota still is so often Viking fans have had great receivers to watch. And it's not always fun to watch offensive linemen in training camp, but when you can go watch Chris Carter or Randy Moss or Anthony Carter or, or uh, Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen, uh, that's the entertaining part about spring training, about uh, training camp is getting to go out and watch those guys run their routes and show off their, their skills. Yeah. And then to watch the one-on-ones on the defensive line, I always thought that was interesting even going back to guys like John, John Randall going against Randall McDaniel, 
uh, Keith Millard going against Randall McDaniel, uh, and even back in the day when when it was a Chris Dolman against a Todd Stucy, and just the, the kind of uh, of really great defensive versus offensive players, and uh, and those were fun. It really, actually, Chris Dolman versus Gary Zimmerman because Chris was gone by the time Stucy got here, but. Dolman against Zimmerman, those were great matchups. McDaniel against John Randall. And, and we can see some of that, too, when Daniil Hunter was going against Brian O'Neill the last several training camps. And, and both of those guys would always talk about how it helped them improve to go against really good players in training camp, which kind of set them up for facing the top players in regular season. Good stuff, Jeff. Jeff is going. To, I'm off next week. Jeff's going to be back with Brandon to update you on what's actually happening in camp. I'm sure there will be a lot of news surrounding Hunter, Cook, Jefferson, and whatever we see in the early days of camp. Uh, so thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com. We do appreciate it. Again, best way to listen, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. And thanks, as always, to our longtime sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com.